Thank you for tuning in to the sermon webcast of Living Savior. We are one church serving in two locations, Asheville and Hendersonville, North Carolina. For more information, go to lsavior.org. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The image was impressed upon many of us by a comic strip and perhaps also by an, an, an animated television special. Charlie Brown's friend, Lucy Van Pelt's younger brother, Linus. Linus, a, a boy who, who speaks with a wisdom beyond his years. Linus, who has this calm that appears to be beyond the circumstances around him. And what does Linus have? Pressed against his left ear and held tight in his left hand, his, his blanket, his security, his comfort. You and I come to smile at, at Linus because here's somebody who knows what he, need, what he needs and has, and has found a way to have it. But of course, the, the question that always comes next is, what happens when Linus or anybody else has to put the blanket away or put the teddy bear up on the top, top shelf? What happens when, when mom is no longer at your side morning, noon, and night, when, when dad's not keeping his eye out for, for, for your safety? You've come to know people that as they get older, they find their comfort in, in other things. They, they find their comfort in family. They find their comfort in, in friendships, in, um, in the work that they do, in, in uh, the entertainment that they find. They find comfort in, in, in things that they gather around themselves. And yet ever since, the, ever since the day you were baptized, the Lord put you on a different course because he's constantly convincing you that your highest and most enduring comfort is Jesus. That's the message we hear from Jesus himself and from his apostles. This morning, that's also the message we're hearing from the prophet Isaiah as the Lord instructs him to Comfort, comfort my people. Tells him and you to speak to the hearts, to troubled hearts, and prepare the way for the Lord. Can I remind you a little bit about Isaiah? He was a prophet, as the vicar pointed out. He lived 700 years before the birth of Christ. And the challenge that Isaiah had in his hands was his people were prospering. They lived in comfortable homes. They had money and the prospect of, of more coming in. Uh, his nation, known as the nation of Judah, had, had been successful on the battlefield and, and her rulers had had forged alliances with the nearby superpowers so, so that Israelites, people living in Judah, were, they were as secure as secure could be 
until God decided it was going to go otherwise. He gave Isaiah several visions of what was about to happen to his people, visions of their armies leveled on the battlefield, their quaint villages and quiet towns emptied out, even their proud city of Jerusalem destroyed, and the people, these very people, these very prospering people, hauled off in shackles to a distant place where they would serve merciless masters. God's people seemingly deprived of any hope. God's people cut off from any blessing from God. And they only had themselves to blame. Ever since the Israelites had crossed over the Jordan River into the land that God had promised them, they had been trying very hard to replace God and even to fight against him. So God blessed them with, you know, this land of flowing with milk and honey. You've heard that expression. It was, it was a place where the farms and the fields were prosperous. And, and what the Israelites did is they, they, they gave their greatest concern to the farms and fields and not to the God that provided them. They lived in nice homes, enjoyed the warmth of the fireplace on chilly evenings, adored their homes, but not the God that gave them. Neighbors would move in down the road and the neighbors would have, the, have an altar in their home and statues for various gods and goddesses. And, and the Israelites adopted the same practice. We'll have altars in our home and various gods and goddesses to whom we bring offerings and we'll build, we'll build statues and altars on our high places because these now will become our goddesses and gods replacing the, the one true God who had always been so true to them. It's no wonder that it reached a point. It reached a point where God in his wisdom took it away, took away prosperity and community and took away freedom that they had enjoyed. You ever gone online and looked at what's called the U.S. debt clock. You, you, you can Google it. U.S. debt clock. Pulls up a website where numbers are constantly spinning, uh, calculations are spinning of what, what is the debt of our federal government. Which, of course, first reaction to the federal government, that's those guys. No, that's, this is us. This is a debt shared by 50 states and by... 300-some million Americans. At, at last look, the, the federal deficit, $27,300,000,000-some dollars, which the same U.S. debt clock calculates for every taxpayer, for every taxpayer, a debt of $219,000. So you look at that, and you could take one approach. Those guys in government are a bunch of idiots. Or you can maybe recognize that we as a people have been living beyond our means. As a nation, we have for many, many years. And 
then you have to wonder, what might God allow to happen to a people who so obviously live beyond their means, irresponsibly with the gifts that God provides them? I hope you see a parallel. A prospering people at Isaiah's time who felt they were secure in what they have and it's all going to go great and we're going to have what we have and always have what we have and we'll pay attention to this and ignore him or try to replace him. A people who more and more appear to be abandoning the faith and the ways of their forefathers and turning to the, the things that give them a more immediate comfort and accumulate more and more debt to acquire that and, and, and live with that, thinking it's always going to remain as such, where God historically has not always allowed that to continue, but he brings a discipline and he, he takes it all away. The Lord had words for Isaiah to tell to such a people, to people such as you and me, And the message is not straighten it out with your politicians and policymakers, although there is something to that, but so limited in in what that could do. The Lord's message instead is simply this and a big surprise. Comfort, comfort my people. Said twice. Comfort, comfort my people. Speak to the hearts of Jerusalem. In other words, Isaiah and others that speak the word don't necessarily speak to the minds which can calculate how much we're in debt and how much trouble we're in, but can speak to the hearts of God's people and tell them something, again, very surprising. He says, proclaim to my people that her warfare is ended that for my people, fighting against God and his ways, that's concluded and it's ended not by the people, but by, by God himself. Tell my people, he says, tell her that her sin, her greed, her irresponsibility, her trying to replace God, her turning to other ways instead of to the ways of God, her listening to other messages instead of, uh, instead of the message of God, tell her that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord double for all her, her sins. You, you could look at a passage like, like the, the, this way. You and I have always owed to God a holy obedience but not only as a nation, but just as individuals, we haven't been able to pay it. And because of that, we owe to our God spending eternity in the debtor's prison of hell. But God was unwilling that we should pay that. So when it comes to the greatest debt that you and I could ever have, the debt has been paid in full. It's what Jesus said on the cross after he lived the life in keeping with God's will and suffered for your sins and mine, he said very loudly, it is finished, which can also mean it's been paid in full, the debt you owe to God. 
And instead, the Lord gives us twice, double, twice as much forgiveness as we'll ever need. Speak to the heart of those who are troubled about a national debt and troubled about the, where the economy appears to be headed. Speak to their hearts, not so much about here's the policies and the politicians that can cure that, but that here's a God who has ended the warfare and has given us peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. That, that friend who is so worried because he calculates this problem pretty precisely or, or she calculates that one pretty precisely and they got it all up here that this is only going to get more and more terrible, help them understand that we have received from the Lord's hand double forgiveness for all of our sins, all God's people have, and that the Lord is going to continue to be generous to us with forgiveness. Not necessarily that he's going to move an economy back to the prosperity that maybe once was, elusive as even that might have been, but to the prosperity and the comfort of, of Christ. 27 centuries ago, the prophet Isaiah foretold a, a voice of one calling in, the, calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths. A, a, make, make straight in the wilderness a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level. The rugged places a plain. Why the road-building imagery because God, like an ancient king, wants to, to come to his people. He wants to come to your place, your town, and pronounce a blessing. And he doesn't want obstacles in the way for him to get to you with this great blessing. The road that you and I build, and this is, this is an Advent thing, and it's a Christmas thing, and it's a year-long thing, is, is a road not from one earthly place to another. You can't, you can't write it on a map. It's, it's a road on which the Lord comes with his word to bless and keep and grant peace to his people. So what are the obstacles? What gets in the way? Lack of time? Bulldoze that out of the way and, 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 and turn the time back to this is my time for the Lord to come to me with his word. Lack of commitment? Well, repent. Lack of commitment. The words of John, repent, confess your sins, and allow the Lord to come to you with his word to, to strengthen your commitment to him. What are the obstacles? What are the mountains that get in the way of God coming to you with his word? Too many things to do? Of course you got too many things to do. So you recognize the things that are getting in the way is I need a quiet time for the Lord to, to come with his word and give me the peace that I so desperately need because all the other things I do, they don't really give me any sort of peace. 
Advent is a time to recognize, hey, it's the beginning of a church year. So this church year, that devotional book, the one that's, the, the one that I, it's, it's kind of been there for a while. I, I, I pull that out and I put it where I see it and I open it up and I, I read some of God's word and he comes to me with his word. Or, or I haven't read the Bible in a long, long time, at least read, read several pages of it. So I, I, I start somewhere. I start in the Gospel of St. Matthew, and I read about the genealogy of Jesus, but I keep reading about there's his birth, there's his baptism, there's his ministry, and he comes to me to assure me that this is the one who came to earn forgiveness for me. And then there's also this. In the passage, Isaiah is told, you comfort my people. As in, you bring the Lord's comfort to others in your circle. You, you, you kind of recognize people in your circle that this time of year, they're going this way and that because I got so much to do. And, and, and you're the one to say, but, but that's not that important, is it? And you're the one to write that Christmas card that is about Jesus, or you're the one to say, I love being in church yesterday because I got to hear about my Lord. You're the one to say, don't you love this particular Christmas carol because it's about a Savior who has been born? Comfort my people. Isaiah is, very, is told to be very direct. And, 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 to be, and to be very bold when you bring this to people. Just listen to what the Lord says to you. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See your sovereign Lord comes with power. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. You know that friend of Charlie Brown? You, you remember what he did, don't you? So it's the Charlie Brown, it's the animated Christmas special, and Charlie Brown is directing the school play, and, and everybody is, is what, kind of going off the edge with their own secular Christmas, and it's ridiculous. And, and, and Linus comes up to Charlie Brown, and he says, Charlie Brown, let me tell you what Christmas is all about. Remember this? It's, it's, it's maybe the one thing in, at Christmas time that I really like watching. So Linus says to Charlie Brown, I'll tell you what Christmas is all about. And he walks out on the stage. And the stage is empty and the lights go down and the spotlight is on Linus. And he's got his blanket, but as he begins to speak, he drops his blanket. And he says, and there were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field keeping watch over their flocks at night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. 
Linus turns to his friend and he says, that's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. And in a very real sense, that's what Advent is all about. With words like that, with that message, the Lord comes to his people and comforts us double. Double forgiveness for all of our sins. Comforts us by saying, bulldoze the other things out of the way, raise up the highway, straighten up the paths, so that the Lord, this season and always, can come with a message of peace. No more fighting against God. No more trying to replace him. Here's the word of the Lord. Our Advent prayer can be that common prayer. Come, Lord Jesus. Come to us. Come to others with your word. Comfort us. Comfort them. And give us all peace in Jesus, the Savior. Amen. Thank you.